Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Going to meet a couple U of A people. One's a coach, one's a player, going to the uh, Winter Universiat. That'll be in the next half hour of the show. That'll be pretty fun. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We got Warren Mulvey on the other side of the window tonight. Warren, old boy, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you, Reed? Good. Did I remember your last name? Yeah. I didn't even write it down. Yeah, it's it's not a common name, but it's not that rare either. So good for you, Reed. Uh, are you on Twitter, old boy? I am. I did something that I, I try not to do. But I did it last night. I was a bad man. I was a troll. Oh, really? Yes, I was. Who did you troll and why? Uh, Chris Weidman from the Ottawa Senators. (laughs) You know, I did see that. So, Chris Weidman, who got in the fight with Matthew Benning. Benning did very well, by the way, as I'm sure you noticed. So he was called during the game. I I think both Gary Galley and Bob Cole did it on the TV broadcast. They called him Dennis Weidman. All right. Chris Weidman tweeted out after the game, great team win tonight, needed that one. Also, I've busted my butt for 23 years to get to the NHL. I deserve to be called by my name, Chris. And he puts Chris in all caps with an exclamation mark. Uh, So I quoted his tweet, which means the whole tweet shows up in my tweet, and I wrote, whatever, Dennis. (laughs) That's all. That's all I did. You know. You could have I, I been meaner. Have, I shouldn't have done that. I could well, I could have been way meaner. But sometimes, you know, sometimes I allow myself to cross the line. Sometimes I let bad Wilkie sneak out of his shell. <laughs> ah, just thought that was a bit of an odd tweet from from an NHL player. I'm sure he's worked very hard to make the NHL. There's no doubt about it. Uh, great team win tonight. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> Thought their goaltender might them might have won them the game uh, last night, but that's all right. Ottawa's uh, Ottawa's doing okay. They're hanging around as well. So you know, I I actually don't engage a lot on on Twitter because you could you could just spend all day being sucked into a spiral of commenting and reading and replying to everything. And there's a lot of unpleasantry on the internet. Like there's this one guy I follow. <laughs> His account is hilarious um, because he just tweets absolute angry gibberish. Maybe he's being, I guess he must have a kind of a good sense of humor because his tweets are just ludicrous. Like no rational person could actually tweet that stuff, yet all he has in his bio, his Twitter bio, is president-elect of the United States. And I'm just thinking, like, 
I'll admit, when you were describing I thought you were describing Don Cherry. <laughs> Don Cherry rarely tweets, but they, uh, they, yeah, he usually tweets. I wonder if he types them himself, but they're usually like 10 parters, right? I think he just phones somebody. He's like, type this out. Uh, there's a couple. There's a couple guys on the internet I like to engage with, which I've done tonight. They're both uh, Oilers bloggers who have been, who have been on this show, Matt Henderson and Ryan Batty. Uh, they're kind of smarty pants, so I like to give them a hard time because they tend to think they know more about hockey than everybody else. I don't know if they actually think that, but their their Twitter personalities certainly suggest it. So I like to give them a hard time sometimes. And I've done it tonight, both of them. Aren't you describing every hockey fan? No, they not think at they all. know. I don't no, I don't think so. I don't think that at all. We had some <laughs> hockey we had, we had hockey we had great calls tonight. Even the people who didn't who disagreed with me, I'm like, that's fine. I, I did I didn't sense anybody being a, a, a overly smarty pants. Fair about. enough, fair enough. But uh yeah, some some sometimes I just feel like guys to some guys you got to say you know what, just shut up. Remember who you are. You don't actually know how to put an NHL team together or how to coach an NHL team. So just relax and maybe be fair in your criticism and try to look at how the team works as a whole, as opposed to ripping everything apart. That's all. That's that's why I give those guys a hard time. You know why? Because those guys aren't nearly as smart as they think they are. They, they aren't. They aren't. A lot of people who write that stuff aren't, aren't nearly as smart as they think they are. They're not invo- uh, uh, involved in the game on a daily basis. They don't talk to people and gather a lot of information and get a lot of different opinions. Um, but then they want to speak in absolutes and they want to present, hey, I've figured something out that nobody else has figured out. So come bask in my greatness and my knowledge Whereas really, they're kind of full of it. So sometimes I just like to remind them of that. That's all. 7-Eleven Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. We're going to take a quick timeout, then we'll bring in Jamie Baker, television analyst for the San Jose Sharks. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6.30, Chet. Thanks for joining us tonight. It's 714 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, quick look at the scoreboard here, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. Panthers up 1-0 on the Devils. That is with about eight minutes left. After two periods, the Capitals have a 1-0 lead over the Montreal Canadiens. The Jets up 1-0 on the Flames. That's seven minutes into the second period. And still to come tonight, the Stars face the Kings. The Edmonton Oilers, big game tomorrow night against the San Jose Sharks. Start of a six-game homestand for the Oilers. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 for the face-off show. Puck drop at 7. And covering that game for the San Jose Sharks, their television analyst, Jamie Baker. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Uh... Always nice to come up to Canada, the homeland. I know it's snowy and cold here, but it's uh, good hockey weather, if you will. So it's good to be here. I'm looking forward to it's going to be a fun game. Good rivalry uh, we got going here between these teams. Yeah, it does. Well, you're, aren't you from the Ottawa area originally? I'm from Ottawa, yeah. Yeah, so you experienced uh, 
some unpleasant well. winters. Yeah. I know the cold winters well, absolutely. So, yeah. So you're, you're fine living in the San Jose region right now, though. You don't do a lot of shoveling there, I guess, eh? I've, I've acclimated. I've, <laughs> I'm like, I've softened up a little bit, yeah. But uh, I still, I miss winter. I mean, I think it's cool. You just, you have to dress appropriate. The, the problem in Canada, like, is is when the winters are, are so long. That that's that's the only thing. So anyway, yeah. But uh, I don't mind. We we get to uh, go to Tahoe a little bit and uh, spend some time there to get a little bit of a taste winter. It's about three and a half four hours from San Jose. Okay, good stuff. Well, it's going to be a fun game tomorrow night because we got three teams bunched within a point at the top of the Pacific Division. The Sharks, who you cover, the Ducks as well, and the Oilers uh, hanging around right there. I got to tell you, from an Edmonton perspective. It's nice to have a game in January that could potentially put you in first place at the end of the night, depending on uh, whether or not it would be regulation and depending how Anaheim does. From a San Jose perspective, I, I mean, I suppose they, they've been down this road before, though maybe not having the Oilers as, as the opponent in kind of a critical game here. Well, I mean, you guys, the organization, the fans have paid their dues, the media in Edmonton, you guys have paid your dues and then some. Um, but it's going to get to a point you're not going to worry about it because you you are where you are. I mean, you have the gift of Connor McDavid here, generational player that just doesn't come around. I mean, guys won the lottery. There, Peter Shirelli is he is a smart guy, but he you know what I like about him is he's shrewd. Like he's willing to make moves that are ultimately going to benefit the team. Like it wasn't easy for him to trade Taylor Hall, but. You know, he's not building a collection of individuals. He's building a team. I know firsthand your coaching staff. You guys have just good people, first and foremost, in McClellan, Woodcroft, and Johnson. Uh, those are the three guys that, you know, were in San Jose, but, like, really, really, like, smart hockey people. So you guys are, you know, there's that trickle-down effect. You've got a good management, good coaching. You've got Connor McDavid, all the other pieces. So it's not a surprise where you are. Like, last year... And in the second half of the year, I thought that you guys were going to, you know, I thought Edmonton was going to turn the corner this year, and here they are, and they're they're not going away. So every game now between the Sharks and Oilers are going to be exciting, and there's a logjam, not just the top three, but with the way Vancouver's been playing, yeah. you know, you get a logjam of six teams within six points of each other in the Pacific Division. So it's, it's fun hockey, and it creates a little more pressure and a little more intensity, if you will, while we're in the dog days of the season. You know, you mentioned the the shrewd moves by Peter Shirelli and finding good people. And you've been around the game your whole life, player, now a broadcaster. What's your perspective on, you know, when you look into a guy, acquiring a guy, or, or you know, putting a player in a slot on your roster towards okay, he might have be able to skate this fast and shoot this hard, but that personality and, and, and knowing that a guy has the desire to improve and the desire to be adaptable. I mean, Patrick Maroon's a great example for the Oilers right now. He's kind of almost given away by the Ducks. He's th kind of figured things out and, and adapted. You, you probably saw guys at both ends of the spectrum whose careers might have gone in different directions based on, on that personality trait. Yeah, and it's a good point because, you know, a lot of people are into the analytics, and, and that tells you one one side of the story. And you talk to old school people; the eye test is still there. And I don't think I don't think you go from the eye test to purely analytics. I mean, there's a room there's room for everything to ultimately uh, build your team and your organization, but you have to have good people. And 
you know, and in the Twitter universe and Facebook and all that, like in chat rooms, and, you know, Reddit, all this stuff, like you have your fans that are going to constantly comment and they base it on just like what their take is. But their take doesn't see what's going on behind the scenes. They don't know necessarily if a guy's battling injuries. They don't know how much somebody's helping someone else in the room, you know, inspiring others or doing little things. So, you know, you always, you know, you'll, they, they base it on just what's going on in the game, which is obviously extremely important. But the there's more to it because you got to have everybody pulling for each other. It's 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 not just how you are individually uh, as a person. It's how you make others better on a team. It, it, that's how does everybody come together and you have that chemistry, that camaraderie, and you you're literally like the best examples of teams they and that win championships is when you play for other guys you play for everyone else and you play for the jersey you're playing for the logo and if you're on the ice and i don't care who it is but if you got four other guys always looking out for your best interest so if you you're not you're and, and that includes where the goal is always going to be there anyway but you have other one else you're not as scared to make mistakes now it doesn't give you the green light to go and make mistakes you don't want to make mistakes because you don't want to put someone else in a bad position and i remember todd mcclellan has talked about it before like making passes um somebody putting them in a bad situation you have to get away from that and that's what like the Oilers of old did you know a defenseman has the puck he doesn't want to get slammed into the board so he rims it up the you know rims it up the you know the boards for the winger and then the winger gets hammered well that's not good that's not helping anyone else so you got to have that kind of identity and I think that's what's been going on here in Edmonton Jamie Baker from the Sharks broadcast booth joining us on Inside Sports tonight. You know, one of the, the big stories for the Oilers this season has been Matthew Benning, who was in the NCAA for the last few seasons, and, and he's really jumped in and made an impact with the team. He got into a fight the other night and uh, did well against the Ottawa Senators. You played in the NCAA in the late 80s. Now, I know different position, different era, but what did you find transitioning at that time from, from college to the pros? Any, any specific big things that you went through in your career, Jamie? Well, there's, there's the, the positive of college is you play two games a week and you get a ton of practice time. So from a development standpoint, it really helped me. The drawback is you're not playing a pro-style schedule or a pro-style game as much. So the transition was getting used to that, like playing almost you know every other night, every third night, the amount of games you're playing. So you have to get you have to adjust to that. I think the physicality uh, again, it's different eras, but you know when I was coming through, the physicality of the pro game was significantly more than the college. So the college game is extremely fast. A lot of guys they just flying around the ice. It's a lot more controlled. So if you can get by in college and adapt to the pro schedule on the game, you'll actually fare well because and, and not farewell, like goodbye, like farewell, right. <laughs> and and do and do well because you're playing with good players and there's more structure uh, to the games. You know, in in college, guys are like you know they're like shot out of a cannon on the Friday night game. They're just itching to get out there because they haven't played since the previous Saturday, so it can be a little bit helter skelter out there. Where the pro game is, everybody's in position. You don't there's not as many mistakes and stuff like that. There's a lot more structure from that regard. So. 
I think if you're the right player and, and you've got the, the skill set to play at the NHL level, I think, and you've come through the through um, the NCAA, you can do really well because you're playing with so many good players around you. Yeah, well, it's certainly paid off for Matthew Benning. Hey, before I before I let you go, we should just get a quick update, if there is one for sure. Mark Edward Vlasic, one of the Sharks' top guys, is he uh, unlikely for tomorrow against the Oilers, or how is he looking? So I don't know, and I tell people this all the time. Like, I don't track people's injuries because if I did know, I wouldn't tell you anyway. Uh, <laughs> as, <enough>. as a, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not going to go tell other media what's going on with guys that are on our team that are injured. So so I don't, the good news is I don't have to lie to you. Um, so I don't know his status for tomorrow, but I do know he is on the trip, okay. whatever that means. Well, that's so enough. That's he's in look. Edmonton, right. <laughs> but he was on the plane, okay. and that's all I know. <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, he's, he, he's a fun guy to watch for sure. He's been a good player for the Sharks. Jamie, thanks for catching up with us. Great perspective yep. there on some of the experiences in your career as well, and I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. Yep, see you at the rink tomorrow. Thanks. Jamie Baker from the San Jose Sharks broadcast booth, Oilers and Sharks, coming up tomorrow night. Interesting chat with uh, Jamie mentioned, played in the NCAA in the late 80s, uh, played on some teams uh, early in his career that weren't great, Quebec and uh, San Jose, good broadcaster. And I, I enjoyed that part of the conversation where he talked about people. And I, I think a lot of times, and, and I do it too sometimes, we get caught up talking about sports about numbers and stats and look that's that's all important and a lot of times the stats reflect how you're performing in hockey or your game of choice but when Peter Shirelli or a GM is putting together a team he's basically finding employees he's trying to find human beings and I think sometimes the quality of the human being can be more important than the quality of the hockey player. Now, sometimes they go hand in hand, and certainly if a guy is an incredible hockey player, you may overlook some some things about his uh, his personality. But that's what Shirelli is trying to find it is trying to do: find a balanced team with enough guys that want to work hard and want to improve and are comfortable and willing to deal with adversity. And that's that old cliche, you got to deal with adversity because bad things are going to happen. Sometimes they're going to happen a lot in a hockey game or in a hockey season. And what have we talked about a lot this season with the Edmonton Oilers that they seem more composed, they seem calmer, and that bad things don't mount and happen over and over again in a short period of time. Well, I think that reflects on the human beings that are on the team. And he has, I think he has sought out guys who have that as a strength, that they can deal with the tough moments, that they can look at themselves in the mirror and say, okay, I wasn't good enough tonight. Am I going to sulk about it? Or am I going to go to my coach the next day and say, okay, I think I struggled in this situation. Can you help me out? Or they're going to watch the video and say, I don't want to fail like that again. And I think that's made a big difference. And, you know, I, w- I was having a, a bit of a, bit of a playful moment earlier this half, half an hour, uh, giving it to some of the, the bloggers who are into the analytics. And I think that stuff is very valuable and very interesting and very revealing. But it goes back to the old point. The hockey, uh, a hockey team, one way to look at this is saying a hockey team is not made up of hockey players. It is made up of people who play hockey. So the person part of that 
might ultimately be the most important. And I think that's one reason why the Oilers are a better team this year. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text 63630. We have a couple good hockey people coming up next. They're going to represent Canada at the Winter Universiad. Pandas hockey coach Howie Draper and one of the stars of the team, Alex Posnikoff, when we get back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Be along for the ride this evening. It is 7:33. Oilers and Sharks tomorrow. NHL right now. Winnipeg leading Calgary one nothing late in the second period. The Panthers wind up shutting out the Devils three zip. Capitals with a one nothing edge on the Habs. They're into the third. The Stars and the Kings play a little bit later on. The uh, NCAA national championship game. Alabama leading Clemson 14 nothing. Pleased to be joined in studio by a couple of special guests from the University of Alberta who will be uh, going to Europe really soon. The head coach of the Pandas hockey team, Howie Draper, is here. Hello, Howie. Hello, Reed. Good to talk to you. We've done this on the phone several times. Mm-hmm. Good to finally uh, have you in studio. And uh, forward for the Pandas, Alex, you're your second year? Yeah. Alex Posnikoff joining us as well. First of all, uh, so you're going, is it Kazakhstan for the University of this year? That's right. Uh, Almaty? Almaty. Almaty, yeah. Kazakhstan. Yeah. What, what, what do we know about Almaty besides that it's in Kazakhstan? I, I, th- <laughs> I think they have mountains. Uh, apparently, it's, trees, yeah. it's supposed to be a pretty nice spot, but um, not a heck of a lot, Reed, to be honest. I okay. don't know what's going on. And Howie, you're an assistant coach for the Canadian women's right. team. Yeah. And Alex, you're obviously going to be playing on it. Uh, Alex, we'll start, start with you here. When did you find out you were picked, and what was your reaction? Um, I was actually a little... They sent a voicemail, and I was... I was getting a little worried because we found out a little earlier in the year because we had the camp in August and we didn't find out till late September and so I kind of missed the deadline of when they were calling so I got the voicemail I can't remember the day exactly but I was just laying in bed and I heard it and I I had to let my family know because they were anxious so that was a really exciting moment all right so you, you had a camp in August so you have to go through a bit of a process here how how many players were at that camp there was... So about 30? Yeah. So then are you taking 23, Howie? That's right, yeah. And you were one of the ones in on making the selection? Well, actually, no. Um, oh, really? I'm, okay. I'm just going along because it, <laughs> one guy had to back out. Oh, my so, goodness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm just along for the ride, man. It's uh, But no, I'm really excited. I uh, actually coached with Rachel Flanagan uh, two university ed games ago. I was right. head coach. She was an assistant coach. She's the head coach this time around. And uh, we had a relationship, and and so I guess she, you know, when uh, Sean uh, Regan dropped out, it sounded like um, she thought maybe I could come along. So all right, so you get another crack on it, uh, Alex. What? Why do you think? Uh, I know you're probably modest, but why do you think you made the team? Um, I maybe my work ethic, I hope, or and my speed, I think, are my biggest attributions to the game so yeah. I'd like to think that's kind of what got me there I wanted to ask you that before I asked coach because then otherwise you just would have been like okay coach said it so I can say it Howie what what has allowed uh, Alex to stand out here well I think definitely those two attributes as as mentioned are outstanding for Alex but I, I think the uh, the other thing is just her relentless and her de- relentlessness and her desire when she plays the game and I you know maybe that's a little bit like hard work but it goes beyond that it's uh, you know she never gives up 
Um, she's just a hound dog on a bone, and uh, it's great to watch her play in that way. She's a very exciting player, but the other thing is she can score. When you give her a chance in front of the net, she has the ability to put the puck away, and when you're playing against Europeans in, in Europe, you know, you need that kind of uh, talent. Yeah. Alex, uh, you're in your second year at the U of A? Yes. How long have you been playing hockey? Uh, for 16 years. See, and I, and I, I almost hesitated to ask that because... I don't want to quite frankly sound sexist because I've covered a lot of female athletes and, you know, sometimes there's still that, well, would you ask a guy that? You know what I mean? But 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 the reason I ask that is because it is my experience having covered female hockey and I covered the, the midget AAA team in Lloydminster when, when they got going. Sometimes females wouldn't start playing hockey till they were 11, 12, 13. But your experience was you started really young. Yeah, and I think that was just kind of my family. I had a big hockey family, and so I was just kind of turned three, and they threw me in some skates, and I just started to go from there. But Yeah, and your brother yeah. played, right? Yeah, Too, brother Which played. always helps, I think. I find with female hockey players, particularly if their brothers have played, their older brothers have played, then it's a natural that they typically follow that, that route. Howie, how long have you been coaching Pandas now? 20 years. 20 years. Well, we did your uh, interview for your 500th right, win yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so has it has it's sort of the same question from a different angle. Has it changed for you the experience level of the players you get oh, nowadays? Yeah. Phenomenally. I, yeah. think, I think on that show I mentioned that, uh, uh, that, you know, when we first started we were getting players that had had played ringette and a few figure skaters and and then some that were just playing pond hockey basically so uh, now the players that come in have have started as alex has quite young and and uh, they've developed their skills and they're just far superior hockey players now coming in mentally physically emotionally everything have you have you found that as a coach and as a recruiter which is and i've always said in in university sports you can win a lot of games in the summer by, by yeah. picking the right players right. uh has that changed your i mean do you have to become aware now of players a lot earlier than you used to yeah, well, I think the NCAA seems to be pushing to uh, to uh, sign grade nine and grade ten year old uh, oh, grade tens these days. So, so yeah, thirteen so through fifteen, yeah, they're already getting commitments. Absolutely. So Jeez. you have to be on top of it. And the the trouble is that I I feel that that female hockey players develop a little bit later than males. So so bantams, you you have a pretty good idea how a bantam boy is going to be. I think a, a bantam female, they may not be hitting hitting their stride, interestingly, until first year, second year midget. So really, yeah. So it makes it really interesting and tough, right? So you you just don't really know what you're going to get. Well, Alex, when did you find that you became a player where uh, you had aspirations maybe to play national team CIS? Uh, well, I've had the aspirations to do that since. I basically learned about it. So right. around Pee Wee, I think, is when I learned about all this and what I could potentially do. But it was midget when it really started to become like a possibility. Okay. It's when I really dedicated myself to hockey. So you're going to be playing for for Canada at the university yet? Have you represented Canada at all before? I've just played the Summit Series against the Team USA at the U18 Summer Camp. 
just like she, how he makes it sound like yeah, you just, know you played for Canada don't say I just yeah, <laughs> you, you played for Canada uh, alright all right, now I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here but would you have goals to hopefully be an Olympian one day or are you yeah. hopefully taking steps down that path yeah that's definitely the plan so far it's going to be a tough one but hopefully if I stay along this path it could potentially lead to that one day now, Howie, in terms of the the players we've seen be obviously very successful on the Canadian women's national team at Worlds and at Olympics, are those a lot of, it's? I keep calling it CIS, pardon me, U-sports, are those a lot of U-sports athletes? Are those athletes that have chosen the NCAA route? Are they playing, you know, like where did a lot of the, the women's players go before they became members of Team Canada? <clears throat> well, what I've found is that Oftentimes, the players that are uh, midget, like so, they're being identified at the midget level primarily, um, and then they go whether they they may go NCAA, they may go CIS, but the national team has a pretty good um, idea as to who those key thirty to forty players okay. are going to be, and um, so Alex was one of them coming out of midgets. Um, I think the uh, right now. There's far more players coming out of the NCAA, but I, there's a there's a feeling that that they're developing national team level caliber players there in in, in the NCAA. But the reality is they're not. Uh, the reality is that they're recruiting all the best players, and right now they still have that re- recruitment power for whatever reason. Um, so I would say that the majority are, are coming out of the NCAA, but um, you know there, there's the odd player that uh, that are getting more opportunities that are playing in the CIS. So hopefully that just continues. Did, did was there not a change to the scholarships that women's hockey could provide in the last couple of years? I think you and I did an interview on that too. Yeah, yeah. So at one time we could cover tuition and fees, and and um, they're doing a, a study or, or just a pilot project to see whether or not offering a full ride would have a a negative impact on on their academics and and to see what kind of an impact it would have in terms of keeping girls in Canada and I think we're seeing that there's definitely more interest I don't think there's that many more girls that are that have changed their mind and they they've decided to stay in Canada as a result I think the reality is that they see that the best players are down there right now so they want to go go play against them right right but um, but I, I certainly there's more interest and I I think it's just a matter of time before the, you know, the first few dominoes fall, and then we'll, you know, if we can get a couple of national team caliber players that are coming um, back to Canada, then we may see a more, a few more deciding that down the road. Alex, what was your recruiting process like? Was it, were you looking at a lot of different options? Yeah, I was looking at a lot of different options, and I was talking to schools, but I kind of, I always had my mind set on CIS. I really wanted to help grow the Canadian game as a Canadian so that was kind of always my main focus when I was picking a school and I wanted to make sure the academics and the coaching because sometimes you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you're just thinking of big name schools in the states or so I just really wanted to know where I was going to be and where I would be in good hands. Right so and you're from Edmonton so you get, get and I just want to say personally I'm really glad you didn't go to Calgary or Saskatchewan like yeah, that's that's that's, uh, that's pretty big for me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Alex Posnikoff and Howie Draper joining us from the Pandas hockey team. They're going to Kazakhstan end of the month to play and coach in the Winter Universiade. Alex, um, what? How, how do you feel you've... What, what have you been working on as a player since you came to the U of A? I mean, you get recruited. 
it was a, your goal, obviously. Great. Now you're a, you know, now you're a CIS athlete. Now you're you're playing for the U of A. What was the transition like? What was the step up in caliber like? Oh, well, the game is so much faster than a midget. It's it was like the first game I played. I remember I was like, wow, this is good hockey. Right. So I just I remember <laughs> I was like, I need to, I need to get stronger and faster. So even our our fitness isn't huge now and that's helped a lot so I've really been committed to fitness and just getting stronger on my feet and more heads up players so I just have to keep working on that. How are you? Are you one of those coaches that refuses to play freshman or how do you how do you handle the rookies? No our <laughs> message is that if, if you're performing in practice and then, then you get the opportunity to perform in games so um, everybody earns their opportunity to play. Uh, so do you, what, what's an orientation like then for a rookie? I mean, do you, I guess I'm saying, do you, do you change expectations at all though? Well, yeah, I'd say so. I, I think our expectations of our returning players are certainly higher mm-hmm. than they would be for, so the, uh, the window of opportunity, or the, let's, let's just say the, uh, I'll just call it a window. Okay. For, <laughs> it seems to, is a little bit bigger for the, uh, um, for the re- returning pl- players, however, I'm a little bit tougher on them. You know, right. the expectations are higher. They've been there for a while. They should know what our expectations are, and um, and if they're not if they're not meeting those expectations, and they should be getting a little bit better and, and a little bit hungrier as they move through it, um, and then they need to be leaders and all those kinds of things. So so we expect more of them. Um, so I'm a little bit more demanding, a little bit tougher on them. The the new players, you know. I guess their their window um, is a little bit bigger in that uh, you know I'm I, I'm a little bit more patient with them. We'll mm-hmm. say say it that way, and um, you know they just have to they just have to work really hard and look for an opportunity to get in. And when they do, if they if they shine, then then they'll play. You know I, I think you're kind of summarizing something uh, Todd McCollin said. I remember he said last year. He said I treat all players fairly mm-hmm. but fairly doesn't mean equally yeah. you've probably experienced that as yeah, a coach because yeah, different expectations we, we and all yeah. say that absolutely yeah. yeah all right i want to find out a little bit what, what you expect from the tournament because uh, everybody's hoping canada brings back gold we're in studio alex posnikoff from the pandas hockey team coach of the pandas howie draper they're going to the winter university in kazakhstan it's 747 inside sports on 630 chat This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Cam Talbot, great year so far for the Oilers. Stu texting me. Thank you, Stu, because I missed this. Roberto Luongo, fifth in goalie wins, passes Terry Sawchuk tonight, 448 as the Panthers win. 3-0 over the Devils. Got a text here from Yakashev who says, so has there been enough credit to Yager for his accomplishments this year or does it get lost in that hockey hotbed of Florida or is it because he's not North American? Well, I don't think the non-North American thing has anything to do with it. I think we're long past that. I, I think with Yager, a couple of things. Yes, he plays in Florida, so he doesn't get... I mean, if he were a Maple Leaf right now or a Canuck or even an Oiler and keeping going and playing at the, what is he, 44 now, and, and passing people on the list. Yes, it would get more attention. I also wonder with Yager, guys, if it's just to the point now where it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, he's doing it. Like, it, he's, always, he's almost become so great and been doing it for so long, it's not a story anymore. 
I don't know how he's sort of agreeing with me. Yeah, I think I'm just thinking I could use a few of him on my team. Yeah, <laughs> big power forwards, but uh, no, it's great to see him doing so well. It's such a such a well age that's close to mine, which is amazes me even more. Yeah, how uh, how getting back to uh, the pandas hockey here, and I want to ask about university. I had Howie Draper and Alex Poznikoff in studio. How physical? How much physicality is permitted? in the female game now because I know when I you know when I was covering it 12 15 years ago in Lloyd like you could get a penalty for body checking you might you were allowed to angle maybe rub out or bump has that changed at all guys well I, I guess I'll answer that since I've been in the, the game a little bit longer than Alex but uh I think it's changing slowly yeah but surely I think they're they're giving the girls a little bit more leeway in terms of body contact I body checking is still typically out of the you know out of the realm of possibility however however um uh, physicality is in increasing the the toughest thing is that our referees are still a little bit behind the uh, development of the players so yeah i guess the bottom line is you never really know what you're going to get from game to game which is probably the most uh well frustrating welcome thing. to canada west athletics everybody there's my little editorializing yeah uh Alex, did you, did you ever wish you, you could hit more? Or did you find the f- amount of physicality allowed adequate? Or how do you, as a player, feel about it? Well, now I almost wish there was more hitting in girls hockey just because it would force us to be, it would change the game quite a bit because I came from Bantam, which was hitting, and I found I played the game a little differently. And then you kind of adjust to a different, It's I find it's a more strategic game now, but I think if you added some physicality in, it would become... A stronger game mm-hmm. but then again it's hard to say if just as many people would be playing so mm-hmm. I don't know you just want to crush people like you're just mean <laughs> you're just a brute oh, yeah, I got that's the, the impression that's, that's the impression sure. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> so you're gonna be uh, how is the assistant coach for Team Canada Alex is going to be playing uh, you guys are leaving what the 23rd yeah game start on the 28th you play China in your first game Women's hockey has the 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 stigma, obviously, and a lot of Canadians will say, "Well, I'll watch when they play the states or they play a semifinal." Uh, clearly, some other teams have looked that they uh, that they might push into that realm, but nobody's been able to main, maintain it. But was it oh four when Sweden upset? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Well, or oh two, I guess. Maybe it was oh six. Oh six, Sweden upset the states. Uh, in women's in the women's Olympics, what, what do you expect from the university? Yet? Is it going to be a Canada to U.S. show or? or? Uh, <clears throat> it hasn't been up to this point because the uh, the players that are coming from the NCAA are actually Division three players. So the majority of them, well, are considered more club kind of players okay. as, as compared to varsity players. So it's. Uh, they haven't had the kind of skill or talent that we've been able to bring um, from Canada. However, the Russians have really been pushing. They won gold last time around. Um, the well, the Chinese and the Japanese. The Japanese, particularly, they're a, they're an exciting team and a tough team to play against as well. Okay, so this is a more of an unpredictable yes, field absolutely. then, as opposed to. 95% it's Canada and the U.S. in the Absolutely, final. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Alex, what are you most looking forward to about playing in this tournament? I think just seeing the seeing all the different teams because there's rarely a chance we get, like last year we got to play the Japanese, but that rarely happens in, in where we are in Canada, so it's kind of neat to be able to go 
see what all these other countries have to offer. So I'm really excited for that. All right. Are you going to, I assume you're going to have to miss some Pandas games along the way here. Yeah, we'll miss two weekends, eh? Two weekends? Yeah. 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 Okay. But hey, okay, could she go again in two years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think there's a high. Because it is every two years, right? Or is it uh, every four? It, I think it's every two years, actually. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> Although I'm not we sure. should know that. <laughs> I should know that, shouldn't I? Well, you've coached there before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picking on the I guests like, tonight. Like I said, I just show up. If they want me, then I'll go. Hey, uh, I really appreciate that, that, you, that you came in because I know you're both very busy and, and you had practice earlier today, but this is so cool. You're representing Edmonton and uh, and the U of A at University at Howie and Alex. Go get them, and we'll talk when you get back, okay? Thank you very Thank much. You. Howie Draper, Alex Posnikoff checking in tonight uh, with still pandas.ualberta.ca is the old website yep, for, my, for my days doing the uh, men's and women's basketball broadcast if you want to find out more about the team. All right, final look at the scoreboard. Alabama up on Clemson, 14-7. Last minute of the first half. And uh, the Jets still up one nothing on the Flames. That's in the third. Capitals up 3-1 on the Canadians in the third. Panthers beat the Devils 3-zip. Stars play the Kings a little bit later on. All right, tomorrow we're going to sign on at 5.30 with the face-off show. The game between the Oilers and the Sharks will start at 7. We'll uh, see what's going on with Slepeshev possibly being in the lineup. We'll see if Gustafson clears waivers. Bob will have all of that for you on Oilers now from noon to 2. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. I want to thank our guests tonight. Besides Howie and Alex, you heard from Sharks TV analyst Jamie Baker and race car driver Stefan Radzinski. What an honor for him. He's going to race in that race of champions in Miami starting January 22nd. Thanks to everybody who called and texted tonight. Always enjoy talking to you. And thanks a lot to our studio producer as well, Warren Mulvey. My name is Reed Reed Wilkins. I got everybody else's name right, but I messed up mine. That's okay. Charles Adler tonight is up next. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.